0: what's going on guys welcome to a special edition collector's edition of the variant issue to my left this week the axe to my smash the demolition of comic podcast the one and only jimbo slice
1: you're on a wrestling kick lately i see huh yes sir last episode it was the uh legion of doom legion of doom aka the Road warriors this this week is the demolition huh
0: yep all right we got a very very special episode for you guys that jimbo slice and i cooked up uh we sat down with uh steve barack president primary grader for cbcs and ladies and gentlemen it was probably one of the craziest coolest experiences that we've had in 17 episodes outside of the stuff we do in our day to day but um jimbo slice can sum it up substantially better than i can
1: yeah for me it was uh I'm not even thinking about the amount of episodes. It was, for me personally, it was one of the coolest, most fun experiences that I've ever had in this lifetime. Because I am definitely nerd, geek, mutant, and freak. And aside from, from Steve being who he is and what he does for a living, he's one of the most legitimate, humble, down-to-earth people that I've ever had a conversation with. The guy is just four aces across the table, period.
0: Yeah, we we really wanted to give you guys, you know, we talk about grading a lot over the last few episodes, different facets of it. But what we wanted to do was we wanted to bring somebody in, demystify the grading process, go into the ins and outs, explain the the amount of detailing and work that's involved in getting books graded and and really, really just showing an appreciation for the art form and I think that that Steve did that in spades uh just really educating not only us but we hope uh educate you guys on the finer points of grading and what goes into getting books graded
1: aside from him just being a stand-up guy he's legitimately passionate about comic books yep and and the things that fall under that umbrella so
0: yep so you're you're good. you guys are in for a treat So without further ado, let's take it away and enjoy our interview with Steve Barak from CBCS. All right, guys, we got a special guest on this week's episode of The Variant Issue. President and primary grader of CBCS, Steve Barak, is joining us. Uh, Myself and Jimbo Slice are going to break down some of the stuff in the grading, in the world of grading, and Steve's going to educate us and you guys. So without any further ado, let's take it away. What's going on, Steve? How are you? i'm doing great how are you guys good 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 again um thank you once again for taking the time out to uh s- spend some time with us and our listeners and uh school us on grading and cbcs and all the work that you guys do
2: well yeah you know, thank you for having me on you know it's uh there's a lot of misconceptions about grading and uh especially um certification so it's uh it's a pleasure to be talking with you know guys who are into comic books and understand the hobby and uh help answer questions.
1: Do you want to give our listeners a little background on exactly what it is you do and how you kind of broke into this part of the industry itself?
2: Okay. Um, Well, I've been in the hobby since I was a kid. Um, I I was reading comic books before I knew how to read. My dad was bringing them home for me from New York City, um, even before I could read. So uh, I just fell in love with the pictures, of course, like, like most little kids Yep. and gotten heavily into it. New York City was a really cool scene for comic books back in the day. Um, in the 70s, I set up my first show. I was only able to afford half of a table at a Phil Steeling marketplace. I and mean, that was just a lot of fun. It was, it was more, more about, you know, selling a few comic books, just to be able to buy another comic book.
1: Exactly.
2: Um, and back in those days, I mean, it was like the bottom of the Alpine Hotel and the Taft Hotel, Hotel Roosevelt. I mean, it was like really these like weird kind of flea market things, not really conventions. Right, right, um, right. And um, but it was really, really great, just a great way to grow up. And uh, so I stayed around, um, became one of the top collectors in the world. I've owned two Action Comics number ones.
1: Are you serious? Um,
2: yes, I'm very serious. How did, how
1: did, um, if, I, if you don't mind answering this question, how in the world did you come across those two books?
2: Well, I had them at different times. Okay. Um, because uh, through networking, and if you had enough money, you could buy anything. Um, actually, I traded um, a boatload of comic books for one of my action ones. And one of the action ones, I um, got time payments this place that no longer exists called the pacific comic exchange okay um and i paid it off over you know something like i don't know like 15 months wow <laughs> but back in the day it wasn't worth what it is now right i mean at the time you know i thought i was crazy spending you know sixty thousand dollars on an action one wow and now you know that same book if i had if it's still had those books they could retire
3: you know (laughs) seriously
1: that's that's wow that's
2: mind-blowing and um then um the certified collectible group uh which was certifying coins at the time wanted to get into comic books and to certify comic books and they went to the top dealers and top collectors and they asked who they trusted, who could grade, who could check for restoration, which is really, really important because people were getting ripped off like crazy.
3: Okay.
2: Um, buying books that were color-touched or re-glued or had married pages, they weren't worth the same as if they were untouched. Right. And um, my name came to the top of the list, and I talked with them. And it was a really strange thing. Um, you know, they came to me with this concept about... Putting comic books in a plastic case. And I was like, you know, this doesn't make sense to me. You know, (laughs) you don't do that. Right. Because
1: because you can't read them at that point.
2: Right. And um, they were telling me exactly what happens in coins and sports cards and how, you know, they basically help protect um, people from things I was just talking about, the undisclosed restoration or actually. Something I didn't even touch on, like way overgrading. And right. eBay, this is remember, this is 1999, and my friends were getting killed on eBay. Um, the protections on eBay, that eBay has or doesn't have these days. That had they did have you know, sometimes and didn't at times. They're ever changing. Um, but uh, you, you'd buy this book and you'd find out later it was restored you couldn't return it because it was 10 days afterwards whatever and mm, it was really bad or you forget to count the pages and you know you go to sell it and find out the centerfold's missing right um and so um they were going to do it like coins where you couldn't open it unless you you know unless you use a vice to crack it Mm -hmm. believe it or not i said you can't do that with comic books I said, this has to be a buying and selling tool. So you become the good housekeeping seal of approval in a way. And um, I told them that they had to let me pick my own team because I wanted honest people and knowledgeable people. And they didn't understand that unlike coins and cards, you have to count the pages and you have to check for restoration between the folios.
1: There's so much and, work involved.
2: It, oh, it's it's incredible. I mean, you can grade a you can grade probably like 60 coins in the same time you can do a comic book um especially like a golden age comic book right um and so i convinced them that the holder had to be openable had to be tamper evident so um if you ever had a graded comic book you know that on the sides you can kind of kind of open it up a little and then crack it and then the interior in ours is P-E-T-G, which is um, used by the Library of Congress. And so it's uh, archival safe. And so then you have that, and you can use a, you know, um, a scissor to cut it out. You have to be very, very careful. But at least you can take your book out. So this way, nobody would say, oh, you've contained my book. I can't, can't get it out. It's changed a lot where people don't take them out anymore. If you have an action one, they don't take it out because they can read the reprint anywhere. Right. Um, and then there's people who have, you know, they, they've changed. Uh, it's changed from its original model. Um, people who aren't cracking it out. So what they do is they have these collectors sets and they compete to have the best of the best. Yep. And so they're like, I have, you know, Superman one through a hundred and, you know, uh, the Superman one is in, you know, six oh, the Superman two is in seven five and so on and, and they compete. And um but as as uh almost everybody's noticed that it's become the best buying and selling tool um on the internet. Um, all the major auction houses use either us or our competitor. And um so I worked there for a bunch of years and I got kind of burnt out on grading. Um, right and uh i wasn't i didn't own a piece of it even though i helped start it okay and it kind of bothered me and um so i went and worked as a senior uh, consignment director for heritage auctions and they're the largest um collectibles auction house in the world and they're the third largest auction house in the world in general um behind sotheby's and christie's and they're catching up quite fast, actually, because <laughs> they embraced uh, the technology and the internet as opposed to live auctions. Right. They, they're incredible. Um, and so I was their senior consignment director for years. I've brought in millions and millions of dollars worth of comic books and comic book art. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And all the time I was doing that, um, people kept asking me if I would open up another grading service because people don't like Monopoly. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't think I would be into it, but I do enjoy really good steak dinners. <laughs> and <laughs> I would, let, I would, let, <laughs> I would let people take me out. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: I would let people take me out, you know, for dinner and they'd, they'd pitch me. And I ran into a problem where the people who were honest, um, who really wanted to see this work, D- didn't understand how much money it would cost to open up a grading service. Right. Um, they'd say, oh, we have, you know, you know, a quarter of a million dollars. And I, I was like, well, that's not going to do it. Um, and they were like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I need like 2.5 million to open. <laughs> and What? Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I sure. had I mean, no idea that it. that would number um, was anywhere close to that number. Oh, yeah. It's, it's huge. It's It's daunting. And, um, so these honest guys were like, oh, well, you know, we don't have that. And then I'd meet up with certain guys who were like, oh, what a million, that's not a problem. You know, all we have to do is sell some grades here and there, you know, give this guy instead of an eight Oh, give him a nine Oh on an action one, you know, that kind of stuff. And right. I was like, oh my God, am I, am I really sitting at a table with these slimy people? Yep. You know, <laughs> basically, <laughs> and, basically
1: fat comic book guy.
3: <laughs>
2: and it was you know it was criminal and i wouldn't do this like i said i grew up in this hobby and people trust me Mm -hmm. and um and i love i love this hobby i mean I, i still read a comic book every night before i go to sleep um i don't collect comic books anymore i wanted to make sure i was completely impartial and third party so i sold my collection and started collecting original comic book art so this way, nobody could say, well, Steve Warrock has an action one in 6.0. He's going to grade mine a 5.0 right. because he doesn't want to have, you know, a better copy out there. I want to dispel any kind of notions of anything going on. And um, so I was working with Heritage and it was like I said, it was a great gig. Like, um, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, like the Seamus art collection. With the cover for Spider-Man One by McFarlane and stuff like that. I brought that in. Wow. Um, I brought in the Doug Schmelt collection that went for like what two point five mil, um, and it was you know just just a great time um, playing with other people's collections. Right. And uh, then one day I get a phone call from my now partner, Michael Bornstein, this great guy. Um, he was fed up with the competition. He had some very unpleasant uh, dealings with them. And through friends of friends, he got my name and got my number and called me up. And, you know, as usual, I was very skeptical. Uh, we spoke on the phone for hours and uh, we seemed to have had the same vision. So went out to uh, Texas where he lived. He flew me out to Texas and put me up. And we spent an entire weekend with him and his son, uh, He's a very, very smart guy. Um, and we hashed out over about 48 hours what we wanted to see in a grading service and how much money it would cost. And it's really funny when we got to the point of trying to figure out costs, we came up with the exact number I told him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holy cow. And I'm not, a, I'm not the businessman. He's the businessman. I'm just the comic geek. Right, okay. um, and we put it together, and we started with uh, six employees out of St. Petersburg, Florida, and we're now up to thirty-three or thirty-four employees. Uh, we'll have our official three-year anniversary in July.
3: Congratulations! Um,
2: thanks, thank you. It's been a long, long road. Um, it's, uh, but it's been a lot of fun and exciting. As well as a lot of hard work. A
1: lot of work. I know um, writing a book is that's very meticulous, time-consuming uh, work to do. That
2: oh sure, sure it's it it really is, and you have to be able to sit in your seat and grade. And I, I'm very, very lucky. Um, I don't just sit in my seat and grade. I also deal with the, the clients. So I go to a lot of uh, most conventions across the country. Okay, and um, so. I get to go out and hang out with the same friends I've had for some for 35 years and some, you know, because our new friends through social media, especially Facebook. Um, we have a giant dinner every year in Chicago um, where giants of the industry go. I mean, we've had um, Bob Overstreet, Maggie Thompson, Neil Adams, uh, Gary Colabono who's helped start the Chicago Comic-Con. And, um, Michelle Nolan, one of the great, you know, uh, uh, historians of our hobby. Um, and we get a lot of artists that show up and writers. It's really cool. And uh, we have a, get a private room at Gibson's every year and, it's, and it fills up like we're out of room. We can't have people show up anymore. And then afterwards, after the dinner, people come from their other dinners and come hang out with us. Um, at the bar and have drinks or sodas or whatever. It's really in, uh, a fantastic time. It's a, it's really a you know for a nerd like me, it's it's just a um, it's a dream come true.
1: You, you know what I want to know at that at that dinner now. You know you keep referencing yourself like a nerd like me. I say the same thing about myself a lot of times. When you're in the room with all these people of the industry, do you ever get so to speak starstruck? Because I'm one of those people. I've been very fortunate in my life where I've not only got to meet a lot of people that I admire growing up I actually became friends with a lot of them and I never really get starstruck, but around certain comic book artists and writers, I, I do get a little starstruck. It's a little weird. Do you ever get like that with any of these people?
2: Oh, all the time. I mean, I totally geek out. I, mean, I remember playing poker one night, um, Garib Sheamus, who started wizard. Okay. Um, invited me to a poker game.
1: Oh, geez. And
2: I didn't know, <laughs> I, I didn't know, um, I've been friends with the Seamuses for many, many years. Um, Really nice guys, Stephen and Garib. Um, But uh, I didn't realize that I was playing cards uh, with Jim Lee and Jay Lee and uh, David Mandel, who was a writer of Steinfeld at the time and is writing for Veep right now. Um, He's a giant um, comic art collector. Um, And Paul Dini was there. Uh, created Harlequin right, right? and um, uh, I didn't even know it so when we broke for pizza I am stuck to these guys I'm like so anyway you know what do you do and this guy Jay says oh you know I'm an artist I said oh for what he says Marvel and I'm like really what do you do So the Newmans I'm like you're Jay Lee like, <laughs> you know, I, couldn't play, I couldn't play poker after that with these guys and try to bluff and, and talk crap yeah, that totally know? threw you off your game Oh, yeah. It was really bizarre. I'm like, you're Jim Lee? <laughs> and I've become friends with Jim Lee since then. Um, but I'm still starstruck. Like, Neil Adams and I are really good friends. And his wife, Marilyn, uh, we're very good friends. And I can't believe he still shows up at, like, our dinners and stuff.
1: It's funny. Um, I, I actually Tim, just met him recently. He's the creator of
2: Cerebus, is, is, used to draw me stuff. And just, you know, like, yeah, I was drawing this. So I thought about you. And here's a really cool thing of Cerebus. and. Really, just fantastic. Uh, Nick Carty lived here in Sarasota before he passed. A sweet old man. He used to tell me the same stories over and over again about the war.
3: Hmm.
2: Um, Very, like I said, very lucky. Um, Really, really blessed with this life. Um, But yeah, I do get starstruck all the time. I mean, I know Dave Gibbons pretty well, you know, the artist for Watchmen. Um, Yeah, I, I can go on. But like Bob Overstreet. Uh, as a friend of mine. And I can't believe that. And he was, he's also like a mentor in a way um, to keep me on the straight and narrow. When I first started, you know, in professional grading, if that's the right word. Um, And and he taught me about ethics and I already knew them, but it's to, to aspire to be somebody, you know, that Bob Overstreet would go, wow, I trust this guy. You know, I mean, the Overstreet Price Guide's been the Bible of our hobby for what forty-seven years now. As
1: long as I can remember. Yep,
0: that's what we have, that's what we incredible. priced with when I worked in a comic store when I was growing up. The over it was the Overstreet sure. Price Guide was reference number one, and the back of Wizard was reference number two. Pretty
1: much,
2: right? Yep. Yeah, you get to show on your age. You're younger than I am. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't
0: have Wizard to price with. <laughs> yep. We had. We had to with my. My boss would be like if it's not an overstreet look at the back of the wizard, you know, and that would be and exactly. that'd be it. and then you know we, sure, doing. He'd he'd be like find the middle yeah. price and then go a dollar or two above the middle price like he was that was his thing. <laughs>
2: That's but, funny.
1: It's funny you're talking about Neil Adams. I uh, I just recently met him earlier this year at um at this comic book shop um Royal Collectibles over in uh Forest Hill, Queens and me and him got, Oh
2: cool. I bet you, I bet you he was wearing a blue shirt.
1: You know what? I actually have the picture in my phone. I'm gonna look to see if you're right about that. But I couldn't help it. we me and him, we actually got into a discussion about boxing because you know he did the famous Ali Superman cover. And um sure. when I shook well, he,
2: his... did, he did the whole he did the whole book. Actually. Exactly,
1: exactly. And uh when I shook his hand, I couldn't believe how big his mitts were. His hands are like the size of boxing yeah. gloves.
3: Yeah. I was sure. shocked.
2: Sure. No, Neil's a great guy. Um uh, I really, really enjoy hanging out with him in Maryland, very nice people,
1: yeah, he was very, very approachable, and me and him were definitely uh going back and forth about boxing for for a while
2: yeah he he loves talking about um things other than comic books because he has to talk about comic books all his the time all day long at the show's and stuff, so if you talk to him about you know the, how the earth has evolved he'll he'll love to get into that with you, believe it or not
1: oh i didn 't know that you know what this is so crazy. I just went into my phone, and I'm looking at the picture, and Steve's right on the money. He's wearing a blue shirt. <laughs> I don't believe this. Told you. He's not even lying. He's wearing a blue shirt. He had a jacket on, but you could see the blue shirt right underneath it. That's so yeah. crazy.
2: <laughs> That's his signature shirt. So whenever I have my dark blue shirt on, everybody says to me, oh, you're wearing Neil's shirt today? <laughs> That's hilarious. I,
1: I, have, mm-hmm. I, have, I have a very... um. I I've been wanting to ask this question to someone who worked in the industry for a very very long time, you know, with certain sure. prof- certain professions. When you turn into a professional, or just even a civil service job, you know, you have to take a test and you have to meet certain criteria, whether it be educational wise or you know, you have to have some type of experience. What is is there any type of criteria? If some, if I or somebody else in the world wanted to become a quote-unquote professional comic book grader. Is there any specific criteria to meet in order to apply for a position like that in the industry?
2: Oh, sure. Well, first of all, love for comics is necessary. You have to love comics. You would, you would get burnt out in no time if you didn't. Um, but that's, um, that's only a small part of it because your knowledge of comic books is really important. You have to know that on when you're grading a Hulk 181 that the Marvel value stamp is the right Marvel value stamp page. So do you guys know which Marvel value stamp is in the Hulk 181?
1: No, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, no I'm not aware of that.
2: Right. Well, it's Sheena. And uh, you have to look for that page to see if it's been married in because as little kids, we all cut out those Marvel value stamps. Oh, okay. So when you're buying a Hulk 181, the first thing you should do if you have if it hasn't been certified is you have to count the pages. And you have to make sure that Marvel value stamp is still there Wow yeah, um there's a strange page counts uh some books are like twelve and sixteen um but the stuff that from the from the sixties and seventies and all that you know that's usually just um eight and eight you know um eight pages on each side, eight folios
3: mm-hmm.
2: um but you also have to know if that cover is the right cover for the interior. Um, People marry covers all the time. Um, You have to know um, what to look for um, for restoration. Um, Now, not everybody knows restoration real well, so we train our people, um, but they have to know something. They have to be able to spot amateur color touch and amateur tear seals and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You'd be surprised at how many people miss something that is very, very obvious. Um, Their eyes are not trained for it, and they didn't grow up in it. Um, They just bought comic books. Um, We're in the middle of grading this large, large collection right now, and I mean, everything has a little bit of glue here, or married pages, and when I say a married page, um, I wasn't sure if I was clear enough, but what they do is they take uh, the book apart, and they if a if a folio is missing or a page is missing, right. they get another copy and they put it from another, them. from another right, and they put it in there. Or suddenly they put the wrong page in. <laughs> sometimes they'll just take any page from, from a Golden Age book or Silver Age book and put it in there. Okay. Um, so these are the things that you have to kind of be able to know already. Um, if you're going to be a modern grader, you have to know the ins and outs because there's so many variants and things like that. And direct edition, the newsstand. I mean, well, it says direct and newsstand on it, but we put that on the label. Mm -hmm. Um, And attention to detail is huge. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing is you have to really pay attention. You can't just sleepwalk through this job. And um, it's what, um, it's why it's hard to get really, really good graders. Um, most people don't want to sit; they think they do. They'll tell you they want to sit and grade comic books all day long until they start they do doing it for it. a year, <laughs> right? And then they're like, "Oh man, if I see another Spider-Man 300, you know." Right, <laughs> right, right. And the re- the reason I use that example is I I just got a, um, a box that came onto my desk, and it was 50 copies of Spider-Man 300. Fifty. Wow. Yeah, and that book is notorious for color touch, so you really have to look at the blacks really closely, and uh, and but if you have to do the same book over and over and over and over again, right. it becomes monotonous.
1: Right, right, right. You really have to really truly love what you're actually doing. You know, that's the way I see it with this. With, yep. this, with this kind of job, at least, you know.
2: Oh, absolutely. Because right after I did that box of uh, Spider-Man 300s. I was able to do all these great golden age books, and I'm like, oh right, I used to own this one. This is so cool, you know. And uh, or wow, I've never seen the splash page. You know, this is really neat. It's all these like ghoulish Nazis and all this stuff, you know, from World War Two. <laughs> and uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and but at times it can be you know repetitive.
1: Of oh, course, very redundant. You know, I have I have one more quick question before I kick it over to Rich. Um, I noticed this trend these last couple of years that's been popping up, you know, before someone goes and, you know, wants to get their book rated, these two techniques that I've recently discovered called uh pressing and cleaning. Um mm-hmm. you know, what what's your take on that? And as far as I know, pressing and cleaning isn't considered restoration. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on that and you know, please, you know, if you can break that down well, to our listeners. Depends-
2: Sure. Uh, it depends on what kind of cleaning you're talking about. If you're talking about like a dry cleaning, where you're taking a little bit of Wonder Bread or a light dry eraser to get some of the dirt off of the book, mm-hmm. that's okay. Uh, if you're talking about a solvent bath or water wash, that's not okay. Okay. That's considered restoration. Okay. Now, pressing itself is not considered restoration, and it's not a new trend. It's been going on forever. Really? I mean, heck, when I was, yeah, when I was a kid, you know, and we're talking, you know, many, many, many moons ago, uh, <laughs> that I would take, uh, remember those gigantic dictionaries? Of course. That used to be around. Of course, the Websters. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, right, I'd take two of those and put a cinder block on top of it.
1: Okay.
3: So I'd
2: have the comic book in the middle of the dictionary and put a cinder block on top of it to get the spine roll out of these golden age books. Right. And silver age books. Uh, the techniques have gotten to a point where it's, uh, um They're doing a lot better job at it, but it's been around forever. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't I wasn't new to the hobby.
1: I wasn't hip to any of this up until recently. Actually, I'm like cleaning, pressing. What are you guys talking about? And exactly what you just said, I was asking around. You know, because I know a lot of people, you know, that own shops and you know people in the high up people in low positions, and I'm I'm getting all different kind of answers. And one of the first things I was actually told about was the Wonder Bread thing at first. So when you said that right now, I was like, oh wow. I I guess it's been going on a lot longer than I've realized because I wasn't aware of any of that stuff.
2: Yep, it's, it's been going on for a long, long time. And uh, it's just, it was a secret in a way. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the people didn't want anybody else to know that they could make a book look better. So they kept it to themselves. And um, when I was with my competition, it kind of came to light. And everybody was saying, oh, this is brand new. And I kept saying it wasn't. And uh, it was a real strange time. Um, but, you know, you have to be honest with people. You have to let them know what's going on. But if a book is pressed correctly, you'll never know. Exactly. The problem is now um, is that the, everybody thinks they can buy like a T-shirt press and press a book, no. and they're ruining the book. You'll
1: destroy it from the I heat. i think
2: so many. Oh, it's not just heat, even, even the cold press. Really? Yeah, they, just, they, they pancake them.
1: Right, right. It becomes, it becomes and, like the, the page becomes sealed, right?
2: Now, well, Sometimes, yeah, that, that's from extreme heat. Um, and especially the uh, modern Marvel stock, uh, we're seeing pages stuck together or, or ink lifted, things like that. Um, everybody thinks they know how to press. They're like, oh, I saw a YouTube video. Right, <laughs> right, right. And uh, you get what you pay for you know, in this life, right? Whether it's uh, pressing or anything else. Um, I would t- just tell people to use a professional.
1: Right. Well, once again, you know, how, how do people really decide who's professional at, at, at doing something like that? Because for me, like if I had a very rare, expensive book, I'd be very leery to just hand it over because there's a good chance that book can get ruined if that person doesn't know what they're doing.
2: Right, exactly. Well, there's, you know, I mean, there's so many... Uh, Forums to go to, I mean, I would send you to, you know, I mean, of course, since it's my company, I would send you to the, the Facebook page, C D C S Comic Collectors Club. Okay. Right. And you can ask questions there. And there's very seasoned collectors on there. Um, there's novices and seasoned collectors. We have in-house pressing. Okay. Um, so you can send it to us. So you go to our website. And, uh, but uh, you can ask around. There's people doing pressing uh, that have been doing it for many, many years.
1: That's 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 all good information to know. I wasn't even aware that CBCS did pressing. Definitely
0: good to know.
2: Yeah, it's fairly new to us. Um, we had to compete. Um, our competitors have in-house pressing, so to compete, we uh, opened in-house pressing as well. Right,
1: right, that just makes sense.
0: Well, I got a a couple of things in in regards to that. I figured the the first being. With regards to, to your grading process, you know, what's the, what's the average allocated time to grade a book? And if you grade a particular book a, a couple of times, are there certain markers that you set for yourself, whether it's you doing the grading or any of your staff for certain imperfections? Like you were talking about, you know, Spider-Man 300 and, you know, some of the things that are notori- that, you know, you look for that stick out. What are some other things that people should be aware of
2: well, like I said, the Marvel value stamp in the 70s books, it's huge. I mean, um, that's, that's something to always, you know, always do. Always count pages. People miss page, pages. I do uh, books every day that are missing pages. You know, learn the count. And if you're not sure if it's a gold age book that has a funky count, you know, go on comic book website. Um, comics.org tells you how many pages are in a book. Um, it's a really great resource, comics.org. It'll give you all the information on the writers, the artists, uh, the titles, um, and, but especially the page count. Um, and there's things to look for on, like, uh, like Spider-Man 300 it actually has a rough cut to a lot of them. People mm-hmm. think it's trimmed, and it's not. It's just a bad manufacturing defect. Huh. And so we don't take off for that the way we would if, somebody took a razor and kind of made the edge a little rough. Um, there's uh, distribution ink from when the distributors used to color code the tops of the book, uh, or the bottom or the for the edge. Um, and because they were able to return them. And sometimes people will color touch that distribution ink onto a married cover. There's so many things to look for. It's, it's, it's hard to tell you. On, on each book, it's, it's different. Um, on Avengers 16, um, that's the first real change in lineup. Right. Right. Um, it's a great iconic cover with Captain America in the middle and then little pictures of...
0: Yep, um, the new members.
2: Everybody, right. And the old members. Well, it's, there's a notorious... Uh, manufacturing defect with a little hole on Thor by the spine. Oh, wow. And everybody, you know, at first, when you first see it, you just think, oh, somebody put a little tear in it. No, it was actually manufactured that way. Um, a lot of the first issues from 1968, um, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, number one is notorious, where the gripper was set too tight. So you either have a little tear on the top of the back cover on the left edge or the chip is actually missing because the gripper was set too tight during the collating process um iron man submariner number one is notorious for that iron man one submariner number one other books but this is the stuff you keep you know you you grew up learning right or somebody has taught
0: you well with that well going going a step further with with that like I said, you have certain markers for that now when you're you're training new hires for 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 grading what are there certain things that you kind of almost like a handbook like hey, this is something you really should look out for, and I'm gonna use more modern books guidelines for, yeah more like more guidelines like more criteria, and more so with modern books now as there's you know twenty different variants of a cover. You know, retailer ed- <laughs> retailer editions. Like, where where does that fall with, with training somebody new?
1: It's funny because as you're asking that question, I'm thinking to myself, well, you just brought up variants, them at CBCS, they have to know. Okay, this book came out. It's got this many variants and other variants. This one was a one in twenty-five. This one was a one in a hundred.
2: Like, that's a lot to have to keep record of, right? Right, but we do keep record of it. And when we when new books are coming out, um, we're constantly updating our database and it becomes secondhand knowledge as you do it enough right right so um i don't handle a lot of the moderns but i remember when you know star wars one came out was there a hundred different covers or something crazy that's right um you know we had to keep track of every cover and make sure we got it right um but the thing is that um our modern department knows this stuff because these are the guys who live and breathe moderns. They're the guys who go to the store every Wednesday and pick up their books. And they just live and breathe it. It's fantastic. But they have a love, once again, you know, when you ask me about what's important, you know, the love for the comics and love for the hobby.
0: I think, I think that's, you know, tenets to live by.
2: Oh, yeah. You have to. You have to.
0: Well, with, with you know, going on the, you know, into the subject of variants, how do you guys approach now that re- individual retailers are getting their own variants? And how do you guys, cre- you know, go create criteria for that? Because, you know, Midtown will have their four or five for X, Y, Z artists. Well,
2: there's no, well, there's no criteria because comic kind of books are graded the same way. Okay. So when it comes to grading, um, the grading doesn't differ unless there's, once again, a printing defect that's normal on every book.
0: Gotcha. Now, right. how do you guys learn about um, those printing defects?
2: By seeing enough of them.
0: Okay. Just consistency at that point.
2: Right. It's, it. it's all about consistency and all about, you know, doing research. So, like, if, I'm just going to make up something. So, you see the newest issue of Spider-Man. Okay. And it's got an ink blotch by the logo. Got it. Well, then you go on the web and you look up other issues if it's the first time grading it. And you see that oh they all have them okay great so you don't take off anything for it
3: right. right okay
2: and but then if you look and you realize that you know one out of a thousand have it well you have to grade that a little differently
0: gotcha now how do how does it work with well let let me let me rephrase that what, what is a book in your opinion that has been the subject of a lot of alteration. Like, what's a book you come across often that gets altered frequently?
2: Well, like I was telling you, Spider-Man 300 gets hit with black color touch quite, quite often. Okay. Um, it's notorious for it. Um, but it, I'm seeing books um, that came out, you know, last year with a little bit of black color touch on it. So you have to be very diligent um, about what you're looking for because it's not common. Right. But somebody decided like, hey, this doesn't look like a nine eight. And it's always that one percent, it's probably not even one percent, it's probably even less than one percent, you know, of the of the hobby that ruins it for everybody else.
0: Sounds about um, right. <laughs> but
2: there's always gonna be there's there's always gonna be thieves out there. When there's money involved, there's always gonna be thieves. And that's why, once again, certification is the good housekeeping seal of approval. Right. And it's not that the certification companies don't make mistakes. We're human. If so you take a human element out of it, you'll never find 100% perfection.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't
2: that. care what you do in life. I,
0: I, I am <laughs> okay. glad, I'm glad That's you leading mentioned that. <laughs> no, you to do what? No, you know, I'm glad you said that because we, we joke around and it's like, what happens when people disagree with grading? How do you guys handle that? Like, if somebody's expecting to get, you know, 9.5, and you guys go through the book do they can you know and they can test it how do you guys handle that
2: okay well basically first of all there's no 9.5 um <laughs> it goes uh it goes 9.2 to 9.4 to 9.6 and um why is that mm, but we um that's the grading scale that um overstreet uses and it's probably the easiest scale to use it starts with uh 0.1 believe it or not, um, because people will actually send in a page from action comics. Number one. Wow. It's Holy not God. a full comic book, <laughs> but it's so <laughs> it's, nice. it's not even a poor, it's less than a poor, it's, a, you know, four zero point five, 0.5, but people want it <clears throat> because it's worth money. It's worth quite a bit of money. And um, so we start with 0. 0.1 and we go all the way to 10.0 and it jumps usually by 0.5. So it goes um, after you go one uh, 0.1, 0.3, 0.5, 1.0, 1.5. And then there's a um, (laughs) 1.8 because it just didn't, you couldn't break it down by 0.5s, And that goes 2.0, 2.5, 3, 3 3.5, 4, 4 4.5, so on. Until you get to 9.0, and then once you're at very fine near mint, which is 9.0, mm-hmm. you start have to you have to start breaking it down into smaller numbers because it's really one little defect that changes it.
1: Right, the nitty So you gritty. go
2: from 9.0 to 9.2, to 9.2, to 9.2 to 9.4, 9.4 to 9.6, 9.6 to 9.8, and then if you know by some miracle you land <laughs> some close to perfect book, you get a 9.9 or a 10. Which, which is, is very, very rare, very rare. Yep. Oh yes, yeah. It's like, winning, it's like winning a lottery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's been handled, you know, even just coming off the press, exactly. somebody handled it to put it into a box. Right. Um, so it's, and also, you know, if it's miscut, it's not going to get the nine, nine or 10 and production quality isn't always great. Um, and then, you know, there's been books, um, you know, Vintage books, Uh, Spider-Man 19, there's a 9-9 out there. Now, that's a very common issue in high grade, the 19. Um, But, I mean, just seeing that book is incredible. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling. But then when you're talking about high grades, I always considered, like, fine, very fine, a high grade for Golden Age books. Right. 7.0. 7.0. Um, now, that's not to say there isn't any 9/8. There's plenty of 9/8s actually, um, because you have collections like the Edgar Church Mile High Collection or the San Francisco Collection. Um, these books were stored incredibly well, and they're just unbelievably gorgeous. White pages, sharp corners, heavy gloss, just beautiful. I, I don't, if you've never seen an Edgar Church Mile High copy or a Tom Riley San Francisco copy. Do yourself a favor. Talk to the, so one of the major players and ask if they have one that you can see. And you won't believe it. They're mm. just that beautiful. I, I used to own many, many um, San Franciscos and church copies. Wow. Um, I owned the Morphin 52 at one point, the uh, first Spectre.
3: Wow. And
2: um, I owned the Flash Comics number one, the first Flash, first Hawkman at one point that's crazy um, oh yeah it was just beautiful that's
1: a that's a um, long way from a half a table at the comic book show when <laughs> you were a kid <laughs>
2: yeah well let you know if you're passionate about something and you love something and you keep doing it i believe and you get lucky yep luck has a big I part to do with that it. sure i believe that you know you'll turn your dreams into a reality i agree uh, with that. i never could have imagined that i'd be doing what I do today, when I was a kid, Um, I thought I was going to end up my dad's printing place, you know, because that's basically what it was back then, you know, your dad had a business, you know, you learned it. And luckily for me, my dad had a printing place. So I learned about printing techniques. So I knew when I'm looking at books, uh, if this book was uh, tampered with, it didn't look right to me, or I knew that. The reason for that Nick Fury, number one, having to chip out was the gripper was too tight.
1: Yeah, so you, um, what you would do so with got your very, very business, lucky. That, that allowed you to, to really kind of pull all that together to, to make the business happen. It's like one door kind of almost paved the path to almost, almost kind of break down like a formula what to look for.
2: Sometimes, but sometimes it was just talking with other collectors and other dealers. Um, I used to put together dinners in New York City with uh, collectors and dealers. And um, we'd pull out our, you know, we'd finish dinner and then we'd have the tablecloth changed. We'd pull out our recent buys or our our recent trades and we'd pass them around the table. Wow. And we'd learn from each other. And we had some of the largest dealers in the world and some of the largest collectors in the world and some of the smallest dealers in the world and some of the smallest collectors in the world show up at these dinners. Uh, I became friends with so many people at the conventions. I, I didn't care if you collected modern books or if you collected golden age or if you were a big player or if you were a small player or if you were no player, just liked reading comic books. I, I will talk comic books with anybody.
1: <laughs> that, that's awesome. I, I, I highly admire that. I'm, I'm constantly being made fun of because I'm going to be 40 years old and I'm, you know, every Wednesday, like, like clockwork, I'm, I'm at two or three different comic book shops Picking up my new books, I, I have. I mean, I picked up my first, my first actual purchase of comic books was in the third grade, and it was the same year, ironically, that The Killing Joe came out, which I
2: had no business buying. Or oh wow! In
1: the third grade, you that's know?
2: right, especially in the third grade, forget it, man. Yeah, and I, you know, wow. I,
1: I came up in a boxing family, so also that same day of that purchase, I also purchased the. I forget what Punch the number is but he's coming out of the corner of a boxing and he's got gloves on. So you know, for me. Oh, that was,
2: sure, I know the cover. Yeah, I just
1: don't know the issue number. That was like a home run for me, seeing that cover, and then I was very attracted to the artwork of the Killing Joke. I had no idea what that book was about. And, you know, I have literally every single book I ever got from when I was a kid till present day. I never let go of anything. Oh, wow. I, 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 wow. Rich knows I'm a very, um, passionate, intense lunatic when it comes to this stuff. I love it. It's more than just people like, oh, you do it for money. I'm like, no, you don't get it. I'm like, I, I love just having the book in my hand, staring at the artwork, reading every single thing from the front page to the last page, like. I'm crazy. Like, my, sure. all, my, all, my, all my friends nah, think I'm man. a complete lunatic. Yeah,
2: you, you're, not, you're not crazy. You're one of us. Yeah, you 100%. Know? <laughs> and, I'm,
1: and, I'm, and, and I drive, like, you know, I go to a handful of places, whether it's in the city, in Queens, Nassau, Suffolk. I'm all over New York. I even go upstate New York to places, you know, whenever I'm on vacation. Right away, I'm on Google. I'm looking to see what comic book, uh, sure. the, you know, shops are in the area sure. because I just want to bring home something from that trip from that store, you know? And I'm very, That's very great. meticulous on the condition of my books because when I was a kid, like you, you know, I, I mean, my family they didn't have money like that, so whatever little bit of books I was getting, it was from doing odds and ends, you know, jobs around the neighborhood, this, that, the other, collecting literally change and just trying to buy whatever I could. But I never really had um, very good condition books because a lot of it I was buying from just kids neighborhood and they didn't take care of them. So as sure. as I got older. I became very, very thorough with the condition of my books. And when I read my books, you know, I have like a little system with like I was laughing before when you said you're at these meetings and you asked to to have the new tablecloth put down like 100%. I don't want anything near these books when I'm reading them. I'm, I'm like so careful, that's right. you know, it's, and that's just me because I, yeah. I didn't have a whole lot growing up. So I really things that I do have, I really, really take care of them and I'd like to have them and as pristine condition as possible. That's just me, you know?
2: Sure. No, I, believe me, I, I totally understand. And uh, it, there's an OCD to it, too. 100%. 100,
1: <laughs> 100%. I'm very, very OCD.
2: <laughs> it's, uh, it's part of our hobby. <laughs> so, Absolutely. You know, you're not, you're not alone. I mean, think about how many people show up for the conventions these days. I mean, it's a phenomenon. When I was a little kid, you know, I'd get beat up wearing my Hulk T-shirt to school. Right. Know, here comes Hulk, you know. And now it's cool, you know. My daughter's friends think I have the greatest job in the world. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's actually funny to me because I didn't realize it growing up as a kid. Like, you don't sit down and really rationalize kind of in the moment of what you're doing. But as I got older, I started to realize that it was basically... I feel like it was a subculture that is... We're yeah, almost going into pop culture now because you know, obviously, you know, with,
2: with, well, it is pop culture. Yeah, Disney I mean, taking over Marvel, these movies,
1: culture. the shows, and I feel like so many people are just, you know, getting into it. And then I've sitting, you know, me and Rich, we were talking last week, and I said, you know, all these all these people that help produce these numbers as far as like the movies goes, you know, it sells out and it breaks box box oh, office yeah. records. I'm like, I, I'm, I say to myself, out of out of people, out of the people who go watch these movies, who didn't grow up reading books and collecting books, I wonder what the percentage of them actually, you know, says to themselves, you know, what? Let me let me go to a comic book store and, and go see what this is all about, and actually start reading and and become like an avid reader of the books, you know.
2: Well, we're hoping, you know, the hobby that when I say we, I meant the hobby um, that more people because the, of the movies, if they're good, you know. I hear Wonder Woman is fantastic. Everybody's been raving about it. Right. And um, we're hoping that, you know, that gets people to pick up comic books. Um, But you touched on something that's really, really, really important. Pop culture. Um, I mean, comic books are one of only two American art forms. We have jazz and we have comic books. Everything else was invented somewhere else. And we're a young country. You're right. Um, But if you ask, A 12-year-old girl who Wonder Woman is, or you say who is the vice president of the United States, most of the time they'll know who Wonder Woman is, but they will not know who the vice president of the United States is. You're right. Right. It's incredible. It's really seeped into our culture. I mean, I see people who don't know anything at all about comic books wearing a superhero t-shirt. Yep.
1: I see it all the time
2: because they think, it, because they think it's cool.
1: Yep. It's the, the the thing to do at the given moment.
2: Right. And so we're very fortunate to be in a, such a time where the movies have been fantastic. I mean, I grew up with such bad, bad stuff being shown on TV. And, right. Uh, he, you know, even, you know, the first Superman movie, which was, which I love, you know, if I go back and watch it with Christopher Reeves, um, it's not the same. So, DC has not done a good job with the movies, in my opinion. I agree. So, <laughs> I still think uh, that uh, the Christopher Reeves movie is better than anything they've put out. Um, <laughs> so, I hear, like I said, Wonder Woman's fantastic. And uh, some of my friends uh, are saying that uh, Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman movie is saving the DC franchise, Yep. where Marvel really got it especially with iron man one hundred percent they they really got it i mean iron man one did not have to be based on a comic book if you knew nothing about this character yep it was like a science fiction james bond absolutely movie, right um and they threw in little things for the fans like his armor was gold for like two and a half seconds right but we all know it went from gray to gold to red and gold right but so it didn 't matter to the audience that you know Tony was like um, that 's too gold to add some red, right, mm-hmm. but for us comic geeks, that was like cool it was like yes, we still the gold armor right exactly <laughs> so they added, exactly they, they added something for us that meant nothing to the audience, right. but it fit perfectly into the storyline
0: a lot of wink it and was you who
2: missed who tony it. Stark was that 's right that 's right, and um they're doing a fantastic job, I think. I mean, I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2 yet. Um, I work quite a bit. <laughs> right. But I hear, but everybody's telling me that they're having a lot of fun with that movie. Yeah, I, I, dis- I disagree I- with that one. <laughs> mm. Sorry?
1: I disagreed with most people's opinions on, on Guardians 2.
2: Oh, you didn't like it? Huh? I, I didn't. Wow. I'm like
1: one of those people where there's usually no gray area. me. I either really love something or I really hate something. And with this movie, <laughs> with, with this movie, I didn't love it and I didn't hate it. I felt it was mediocre at best. I felt there was a very, a very shallow, empty storyline, and there was a obviously a lot of CGI. I felt there was more of a a a cash grab than there was a quality story in my eyes.
2: Ah, oh, that's that's a shame. I'm sorry to hear that. But then again, we'll have to talk about that you and I 100%. privately after I see it. One hundred percent. hundred. I'm not going to ruin
1: nothing for you. Don't worry. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Now let me ask you a question.
1: Uh, As grown up in comics and reading the books, and you obviously know the stories, are, are you like me, where when when you're watching one of these films and you're like, "That's not the way the story is. Why are they doing it this way?" Because I get crazy with that stuff.
2: Ah, uh, see, I'm the opposite. I go into this thinking that this has to work for film viewers, okay, or TV, or if it's a TV show, it has to work for the TV viewers. So it can't be about just us. If it stays true to the original concept. Mm -hmm. Um I'm happy enough that if it makes um the general public who doesn't know anything about conflicts really happy means it was a good movie. So I walk into it as this is gonna be a movie. Like I don't know anything about it. And I enjoy it so much more that way.
3: Right, right. And
2: you're right. There's still times when I go, ooh, why did they do this? Right. But when I saw Doctor Strange I didn't care that they changed so many things.
3: Yep. I thought
2: it paid a real, you know, it paid a lot of respect towards Ditko, um, which was fantastic for me. And the movie audience doesn't even know who he is. You're right. You're right about that. Um, But I, I felt that as a movie, it was a great movie. And so if you like that genre, then it's great. Who cares what's going on in the comic book? I mean, you don't want to make Doctor Strange into Superman, right? That would be silly, right? right? But you can change little aspects here and there to make it work So it's the population. Because let's face it, when the 60s Marvel started, some of them were pretty hokey. If you try to put Amazing Fantasy 15 on the screen, it wouldn't work. Yeah, not for present it's a, day, present time. It, it, right. it's, not, it's not 2017. Right. You know, this was in the 60s. So you have to reach out to the audience that's paying for the tickets or that's paying for Netflix. Um, I really have been digging Netflix a lot. That's my I favorite thing. Was a little, yeah, I thought Iron Fist was a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with Iron Fist with the Defenders.
1: Did you yep. watch the entire Iron Fist series?
2: Oh yeah. Mhm.
1: I thought I thought started. Hey, like I tonight, thought it started really good and it it uh, I thought the ending was very anticlimactic.
2: Yeah, I thought the I thought the whole show was anticlimactic. Really? Actually. <laughs> wow, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um but I didn't dislike it. Okay. Um but it um but like I said I'm hoping it's just a prelude to the defenders.
1: That's what I think it is.
2: Um but I also think that we got spoiled. I think that you know Luke Cage was so good. Yep. Jessica yep. Jones was so good. Daredevil was so good. Second that season of Daredevil was
1: amazing.
2: Right. And so, you know, if a show comes along and you're expecting this, you know, you know, super great TV show and you just get a good TV show,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you get a little disappointed. And all of a sudden it's not a good TV show. It's just a, eh, okay TV show.
3: Right.
2: <laughs> I think when we have high expectations we hurt ourselves and not that we shouldn't expect the best from these people. But once again, people are human (laughs) and (laughs) not everything's going to fly. No, you're right about that.
1: Let me ask you something else, you know, growing up reading these books and now that you actually, you know, you know, do the grading and you have this company, this very successful company, do you still currently read books? Do you still pick up what's current or you're kind of done with that? Is it like just kind of overkill at that point for you?
2: Oh no, no, I can't stop reading comic books. Um, actually I, um, but I, you know, it's funny. I don't go every Wednesday and buy the new books. I buy trades because I travel so much Okay, and I like to read on the airplane, especially. Um, and so I buy trades and, um, I had the flu uh, two weeks ago, Um, and the saving grace was comic books. I was able to read volumes 22 through 27 of The Walking Dead. (laughs) Wow. (laughs)
3: Um,
2: I was so happy because I was falling so behind. Um, Yeah, I'm reading Injustice right now, which I'm really, really digging.
3: Yep, that's a solid read.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I almost didn't pick it up because it's based on a video game until I – got reviews from some of my friends, you know, but then there's series that will stay with me forever, like Sandman was fantastic preacher the boys i mean there's, the boy- the so bo- many the boys great-
1: is an amazing,
2: amazing read, oh yeah, I mean it's not for the kids no definitely you gotta not mind the audience <laughs> yeah it's definitely not, it's
1: definitely not p g thirteen that's for sure
2: no no it's it's, it's verging past r um but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but so i I'm in love with the medium. I mean, I can't get enough of it, and if you look by the side of my bed, you'll see about forty trades um that haven't been read yet so i'm I'm always about six months or nine months, I should say, to like a year and a half behind. Oh wow So I never read any of the um the comic blogs because mm-hmm. of the spoilers right. You know, I don't, I don't want that. Yep. You know, I don't want to know. You know what happens to, you know, Batman. You know, five issues ago because I'm 12 issues behind.
1: Steve, I, I gotta tell, I gotta tell you, man. You know, I'm gonna be 40 years old this year, and um, there's really not a lot of things that, sadly, that I really get excited about. I'm generally happy about, or look forward to, it. and you know, comic books the movies that they're based off of and, and the Netflix series, those are three things that I genuinely look forward to, you know? And it's, yeah. one, it's one of my biggest beasts right now with with uh, with trailers leading up to these films being out. I don't want to... Because I feel like they, they put out so many trailers and the trailers are so long. By the time you watch the movie, those scenes are ruined.
2: Like it has no impact Right. On I, you. I watch... Yeah, I agree. I watch one trailer and one trailer only. Yep. And it's really funny. It'll be the first trailer that they put out. And everybody in the grading room is, you know, is like, oh, wait, the trailer's out. And we'll all huddle around one person's computer. And for, you know, two and a quarter minutes, watch the trailer. And, you know, then everybody will be like, oh, that looked terrible. That looked great. This mm-hmm. looks weird. This looked, this looked, you know, like, oh, my God, how could this person be playing this part? And all this speculation, which is really silly because you can't tell anything from two and a half minutes or two and a quarter minutes or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, we're, we're all a bunch of geeks. So the minute the trailer is announced, we're all like, oh, OK, we'll all watch it together. <laughs> it's really <laughs> that's, cool. That's great. That's great. <laughs> It really is, and uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm so passionate about the comic books, I I, I can't tell you, and uh, uh, music as well, I, I don't just have one hobby, I, I love live music, so I try to see as much live music as I can. That's to, ho- that's so, you know, hilarious. Totally yeah. one-dimensional. <laughs> no, 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 that's hilarious
1: to me, because the, my my three biggest passions are, are training, music, and, and everything pretty much comic book related, those are my three things, I mean, I, I gotta tell you the truth. For me personally, comic books are just—it's—it's it's more than just the art and and the stories, and really just being able to see how much the stories reflect life and learning good lessons and bad lessons. For me, comic books really saved my life in a lot of ways. It—I it, grew up in a very violent, alcohol-fueled household, and you know, I would lock myself in my Ooh. room for hours with my books. Whether I was reading them, staring at them, or trying to emulate, you know, drawing the covers or whatever caught my eye. And, you know, I always wanted wanted to look like the characters, which inevitably got me into the gym. And that's why I look the way I do these days. I've been training for (laughs) 25 years now. And, you know. Yeah. I just, you know, that's my thing, you know. And I wanted to look like the characters that I was reading about, you know. And I just, for, for me, also, too, you know what? When I was going to school, I was always two and three grade reading grade levels ahead of everybody else because maybe at the time, you know, in the third grade and the fourth grade, I didn't understand certain words that were being used in the books that I was reading. But the way the pitches were drawn, the context, the way they, you kind of got a gist of what was going on. So I had a. a, a well, sure. Yeah, I sure. had like a, a higher reading comprehension than most of my classmates because of books, the comic books. And for, for me personally, comic books has been nothing, nothing but a positive force in my life. And I guess that's why sometimes I get a little, a little crazy when it comes to the collecting, because it just, it really helped shape. Who, it's, it's, it's not even shaped who I am. It's part of who I am, you know?
2: Well, it is, it is who you are. I mean, what we do, and what we read or what we collect, or I mean, I don't care if it's comic books or something else. I mean, you know, what we spend our time doing defines who we are. Correct. 100%, 100%. I mean, and uh, like I said, you know, the music for me is very, very important. Live music, um i mean i'm i you know i'll be 54 in june and uh you know i grew up in the, you know i was born in the 60s grew up in the 70s i'm an old grateful deadhead okay um so you to follow them around the country and uh <laughs> that kind of stuff right right um but uh so i didn't go to the gym i'm not buff i'm <laughs> <laughs> not like you that's all right that's all right we'll get our own things <laughs> sure but um you know, what we love definitely defines us. And, you know, besides, uh, the only thing more important to me than those things are friends and family. Right. But without the comic books, I wouldn't have the friends that I have. Right. So they go hand in hand. You know, really, I'm, like I said, I'm very, very blessed to have so many great friends in this hobby. Uh, um, it's, it's it's And it's, ah, I can't even really uh, describe it. It's, it's just, I'm so blessed.
0: You know, I, you know, just to bring bring it home, I, I think that one of the things that forges a lot of friendships and relationships are, are the interests. I mean, you know, James and I yeah. became friends based off comics. I mean, you know, just overhearing a conversation and, you know, next thing you know, we're going to New York Comic Con, Big Apple Con, Eternal Con. Right. Yeah. <laughs> me, me,
1: Rich and I actually met from one of my, actually, it was my first gym here in New York and, he overheard me talking with my training partner at the time about, about comic books. And that's how in a gym talking about comic books is how rich and I became friends actually. And what was that? 2001, 2002, right? Something like that.
0: Yep. And you know, that, that's so cool. And you know, here we are now, you know, doing, doing the show together and everything else. So to, to take what you said and, and really put some weight behind it even more. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's something that's brought all of us together. So, You know, I definitely can agree with you on that.
2: Sure. I mean, uh, in 2001, I was on a plane to San Diego and I'm sitting next to two guys. And, you know, I don't care. I pull out my trade paperback and start reading whatever trade it was. And they'd look at me and they go, you going to (laughs) Mm Comic-Con? And I (laughs) I said, yes. You know, I said, so are we. And one of the two guys, we became friends, but one of the two guys had become like a brother to me. And he's the one who puts together the St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital charity art auction at New York City Comic Con and Chicago C2E2 Comic Con. And he asked me if I'd be the auctioneer. And so we now work together for charity and to help uh, children in need and families with children in need. And uh, but we became great friends because I, you know, pulled out a trade paperback on the way to San Diego. Mm hmm. And we speak now um, every month, even though he's in New York and I'm in Florida. Uh, We speak at least once a month and we get together, you know, for dinner twice a year after the auction, late night. (laughs) And uh, when we put together this fantastic auction, we've raised over $300,000 now for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital with the help of the creators and the bidders. That's amazing. It's been fantastic. I think that's
1: that's great because, you know, like, we were talking before we started recording. You know how I'm involved with uh, Grasshopper Comics charity drive for John Thiessen's. I I think that's a a huge thing to always give back. And it's you know I, I I'm a firm believer in this. You know the energy that you put out is what's going to return to you. You know so.
2: Oh absolutely. I mean I'm big. You know I'm an, I'm an old hippie. You know mm-hmm. I believe in <laughs> I believe in helping each other all the time. That's why I'm on the board of uh, the Hero Initiative, which is a charity that gives back. these artists and writers who were making no money back in the day they didn't get credit for writing movies they their artwork didn't sell for a lot of money they didn't even get their artwork returned to them so we help with their hospital bills their food bills or if they need somewhere to live we help find a place for them to live um so being involved with the hero initiative is really important to me and i do that at every convention
0: that's amazing
1: no, that's, that's 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 huge stuff. That's and to tell you the truth, that's what it's supposed to be about. You
0: yep. know, yep, giving back to the community that made you who you are is you know just a just a testament to to you know the the art form and, and everything that we do to support it.
1: Yeah, it brings everything full circle.
2: Absolutely, I mean, I always believe that if you would ever take charity, if you ever needed it, God forbid, then you should give it while you can.
0: Yep, hundred percent.
2: And I know that if something was wrong with my daughter or my granddaughter, God forbid, and I needed St. Jude's, and they were there for me, well, you know, I better be there for them today.
3: That's
0: right. it. No, I think, I think, you know, what, you, what you're doing both with St. Jude's and with the Hero Initiative, we think, is, you know, incredibly noble. So, you know, we, we appreciate that.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's, well, that's awesome.
2: It's very kind of you. Um, you know, but I do it because it's the right thing, not, not for the accolades. So it's, uh, nope. it's very important
0: that's it sometimes the best here sometimes the heroes don't need to wear capes
1: i mean what,
0: what he's talking about though is
1: really the essence of a lot of the stories that i've read throughout the years that's sure it.
2: well you know we grew up reading good versus evil right right always and yeah you know, we want good to win right
0: that's right. for sure exactly well steve to you know we want to be respectful of your time um just a couple of links we wanted to put out there uh CBCScomics.com, uh, your source for all information regarding grading and restoration is, all, is also available on there as well, correct?
2: Uh, yes, we talk about restoration and we talk about the grading scale and all that. And how to submit comics to us awesome. and, um, and the events that we're going to be at to take in books. All right. uh, We'll be doing on-site grading at Heroes in Charlotte in uh, about two weeks at Heroes Con.
3: That's right.
2: a great convention, by the way. Uh, if you guys haven't been to uh, the Charlotte Comic Con, do yourselves a favor. Go. It's a real Comic Con. That's good not to know. All the social media, and, and not social media, it's not about media and everything. It's just a real comic convention, and Shelton Drummond puts it on. is a fantastic guy.
1: That's what I like really to hear, great. because I, 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 me personally, I don't enjoy going to um, cons, because i feel like majority of the shows are everything but what i love to do which is the comic books you know which is very annoying to me
3: sure
2: san diego which used to be the show to go to for comic books i have friends who skip it now and they go to real comic book shows exactly, exactly. um completely different
1: 100% you know before before we um before we end this this call i i just remember something really quick and i i wanted to ask you it's something that I had spoken about on an earlier episode of our show. You know, if I choose to, you know, basically send a book to CBCS because I want it graded, so on and so forth. Now, if I ship through FedEx, UPS, United States Postal Service, whatever, whatever company I used to to send it to you guys, and that book let gets lost, you know, I I know from personal experience from personal experience with um the post the post office basically if they lose your item or it gets stolen or it gets damaged, you have to produce a physical receipt in order to get reimbursed whatever insurance you took out of. How how do you go about insuring a book that you know is possibly worth X amount of dollars before shipping it off to you? Like how how would you handle that, you know?
2: Oh, well, on our submission form, we ask you to put down an insured value. Okay. So this way, when the book comes in, we have it on our and, you know, everything's logged into the computer and checked before it goes into grading. Okay. So everything's done under camera. So you could say you put an action one in there, but we open it under camera. Okay. And if there's no action one, <laughs> sorry, you know, you can't scam us. No, no, At no. At the same no. time. Right. If uh, No, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay. I don't mean you. No, 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 <laughs> I get anybody. it, I get it.
3: <laughs>
2: um, but uh, the insured value Um, God forbid something happens to your book while it's on our premises, Mm. it's insured for that value. And so if you're shipping, first of all, don't ship FedEx unless you have collectibles insurance. FedEx does not insure collectibles. That's good to know. Right. So I would use uh, United States Postal Service registered and insured and make sure it's signed for. Um, And once again, insure it for the right amount of money. Well, that, 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 was, that was my happens. thing. If something
1: happens to the book, if it gets stolen, damaged, lost, whatever, you have to physically produce them a receipt. So, say I have, I don't know, a book that's worth, you know, $100,000. They're not going to just turn around and hand you $100,000 without a physical receipt. That was my thing with that, with the shipping. If they lose it, if it gets stolen, well, I, I that's so much CDC, I, I don't
2: think they'll insure for for $100,000. Right. 25000 or the something max. like that. Right, is the max. Um, but once again, I would take pictures. Okay. Um, uh, I would, you know, have a, you know, definitely always try to get receipts when you're buying vintage books. Right. Um, and then you'll have the submission form that you sent in to us. You'll have a copy of that, saying, you know, this is where I sent them. Um, but like I said, be very careful with FedEx. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Um, they like said they don't insure collectibles, so they'll take your money. Right. I don't And know. then you don't. You get nothing if it gets lost. Yeah, that is I across mean, the list now. You know, we've had um, we've had very very few instances um, where a book has never gotten to us if it's if it's done correctly. Because when you go through um, United States Postal Service and it's registered insured, everybody who touches it has to sign for it. Right.
1: But me, me so personally
2: to, that that employee doesn't want to be the guy who lost the twenty thousand dollar package
1: right me, me, me personally you know aside from the value of a, of a rare book in my head like the crazy person i am i'm like the chance of me <laughs> getting this book again is not happening for me i'm not even going to send it to them i'm jumping on a plane i'm <laughs> physically bringing it there myself because i'm that crazy
2: Oh, no, we have plenty of people who fly their books into us, especially because of the value. So, But the other thing you can do is, like, you guys are in, you know, New York, right? right? And you also travel to conventions. We go to a convention where we're at, we take the books in there. It actually saves you shipping and insurance. Okay. And we take it back. Right. And we give you a receipt saying we have your book. Right, right. Now, we, would, we wouldn't take an unopened an box and say, yeah, there's an action one in there. You to show us the action one. Right, right, you know? right, right. Exactly. <laughs> But, uh, so if you're, you know, if you're really worried about it, you know, you can come to a convention where we're at and you can give it to us there.
1: And can people, can people physically walk into your office or building to actually hand you books to get graded? Like, is there someone at a desk? Sure. Okay. You can do that. Absolutely.
2: We have, we actually have, um, rooms that, you know, for dealers and collectors who want to submit and, they come in, but you have to make an appointment. You can't just walk in. We're not a storefront. Okay. I mean, everything is, you know, like I said, everything's on camera. Right. You have to use a swipe key to get through all the doors. Nice. Um, it's a heavy, heavy, heavy-duty uh, surveillance and security. All right, that's
1: good to know. The Yellowberg Road to get to the uh, to see the uh, the wizard. <laughs>
2: Sure. Well, yeah, if you guys ever come down, please tell me ahead of time as long as I'm in town, you know. That's good to know. We'll, uh, we'll get together and uh, I'll look, look over some of your books for you. <laughs> That's awesome. That,
1: that, that just, just to chop it up, just like some kids, you know, yep. hanging out in, the free, in, a, in a living room or something. That's awesome. You know, and like, likewise, if you know when you come up here or if you come up here, I know Richard's telling me that you miss eating like a good pastrami sandwich, you know.
2: Love oh to, yeah you know sure being from new york you know it's you miss good pizza you miss a great egg roll <laughs> exactly <it> <laughs> exactly we'd love to
1: sit down and you know and just have a have a meal and just talk books you know that's what we
2: do sure Absolutely. definitely well you know we'll stay in touch and uh i i hope you guys will stay in touch at least 100 percent. Uh, I, me personally i, I mean I, I, I i'm sorry go ahead yeah. Me, me, no, I was just me, saying. Me, I hope you stay in touch. It's, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, it, I love meeting other collectors and other, you know, hobbyists. It's it's just great to talking to comic books, and we can't get it all done on you know the phone like this, right? Right. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'll be in for, for uh, New York Comic Con. Um, but if you guys are going to go to Baltimore or wherever it is, you know, let me know ahead of time. And uh, like I said, we always get a group of collectors and dealers together for dinner, and that's uh, awesome. We always have a great time and we talk comics and we talk music, family, everything. I mean, it's, uh, it's great.
1: Just from a little bit that we've spoken to over this over this phone call, I, just myself, I know I can easily talk to you for hours upon hours. And it would feel like 30 seconds to me because I feel like you just have a lot of information, a lot of experience just from growing up. From just personally collecting to the actual business that you own and run. I just think it's amazing. And me personally, I could just talk to you forever. That's that's just me, you know?
2: <laughs> well, you guys have my phone number, so yep. you know, um I'm usually home at night unless I'm traveling. And uh, you know, you know, feel free to pick up the phone and call and just talk comic books. Awesome, um, For sure. You know, I like I said I love making new friends. Appreciate always it. Always
1: good. Likewise, likewise. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to make this phone oh, call happen. Oh, thank you for having me. Like, it's an uh, honor. It's greatly, really, really nice. Greatly thank appreciated. You. Greatly appreciated because not only did you uh, clarify some things and, and answered really, you know, questions that we've been dying to ask somebody, you know, just I haven't met you in person. I could just tell you're just a stand-up dude. You're somebody who I would want to be around, just a good person, period. And you know what? That's what it's all about in my eyes, you know, we just and we just happen to like and have a a passion and love for, for the books, you know? So I think that's a grand slam.
2: Yeah. I think we, I think we're going to have a good friendship going forward.
0: (laughs) That's for sure. All right, Steve, uh, just a quick reminder, uh, cbcscomics.com, facebook.com slash cbcscomics. Also, you guys have the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups slash cbcscomics. Also the charity that he's involved with. Also, uh, Steve works with, st jude's and with the hero initiative links for both of those charities as well as all of cbcs's links will be in the show notes for this episode again steve uh thank you very much we really really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us yeah all great guys
2: all, i really appreciate you taking time to talk with me 100 percent,
1: 100 percent. all the uh all the nerds geeks mutants and freaks definitely are going to appreciate this interview um thank you so much
0: yep we'll send you the link
2: steve oh, you- all right, thank you so much. You guys are very welcome, and thank you.
0: All right, buddy, have a good night.
2: You too. Have Bye. a great night, guys. Bye.
0: All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed our sit-down with Steve Barak from CBCS. Jimbo Slice, take us out.
1: Yeah, I, I can't thank Steve enough for uh, taking the time out of his busy schedule to uh, chop it up with us about what he does and the industry itself. And uh, I truly hope that all you nerds geeks memes and freaks really enjoyed the interview as much as i as i did because i had a ton of fun doing it
0: all right guys you know what time it is schematics take us out